Hey, everybody, welcome to the Daily Objective. And today we'll be talking about some news out of England, uh, where this network is actually located, the Ayn Rand Center UK. Uh, some police are investigating signs that were posted around town that say it's okay to be quiet. Um, interesting story. Now, something like this took place in America a couple years back, if I recall, uh, maybe like three or four years ago. And that was, I think back then it was on a college campus. Now it's just happening out in the world, which I, I told you what happens in the university seeps out into the culture. Uh, now, I think there's something to explore here. Um, if you came to just kind of hear um, a bunch of anti-social justice warriors uh, talk about how the left has gone bananas. I don't know if you've come to the right place. You'll, you'll get a little bit of that, but you might get a little bit more of a three-dimensional uh, view of the whole thing. Here, uh, here to discuss this with me is my co-host, a guy who, is he white? It's unclear. It's unclear if the Greeks are white. I know I've heard it said that Italians are certainly, uh, they're certainly pushing it. They're certainly pushing it. The Greeks, depends who you're talking to. If, if when, uh, when the uh, white supremacists are bragging about the exploits of Western civilization, they might say, oh, the Greeks are one of ours. But um, but when the same people are rejecting philosophy altogether and trying to return um, to uh, the barbaric state of the Germanic people, they might say the Greeks are just some non-white Jews uh, infiltrating pristine white culture. OK, maybe that last part was a little bit of an exaggeration. Now, um, enough with my lengthy intro. Let's meet him. It's Nikos Tirakopoulos. Thank you, Raga. So as usually, we're not going to approach this topic on a predictable level which says haha look political correctness has gone uh, too far we are going to try and see what lies behind it and why it's interesting from a philosophical level so first of all let's see the news so this was in the area of Basingstoke which is in uh, which is in London and so here's what happened so there were some posters which said it's okay to be white and they were found on lamppost in two roads so the first thing to notice is that it's two roads so apparently the people who did this haven't got the organizational capacity to bring like the white race revolution or whatever but let's continue because i always find very interesting reading the details hamsar constabulary which is let's say the body of police in the uk was alerted to the port to the posters blah 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 and said they were being treated as a hate incident, as a hate incident. So the, quest, the, the first interesting thing is here is hate incident. So let's continue, though. Basington and Dean Borough Council has arranged for the posters to be removed. OK, that makes sense. And then we have some uh, comments by some residents who say these are divisive taxes by neo-Nazi groups and all that stuff. And then a spokesperson for the police force said it was liaising with local community groups as part of the investigation without getting any more details what these groups are. So here we have something which is the point of the it's okay to be white symbols is only one, which is to expose supposedly the double standards of the system. And everyone knows this. If you go to, so for example, we did a whole episode on the Bronze Age pervert. And in his book, 
he says that be very careful when you do activism, do clever things. And the one thing he says is very clever is that it's okay to be white sign. He said, just put it there and see how everyone reacts. But you could say, okay, these people haven't read Bronze Age perverts. Although if you think that white nationalism or whatever is a big threat, maybe you should do some research on it. But even if you go to Wikipedia, if you go to Wikipedia and see that it's okay to be white, in the very first paragraph, you say that this is a so-called proof of concept campaign, which means that the only reason the campaign is happening is for the expected reaction. And when the expected reaction happens, then the campaign is considered successful. So all that the people who do the campaign count on is that there will be a reaction. So this is why I think all those who are reacting are, in a way, the useful idiots of a far-right troll. And what really baffles my mind is, how can they not see it? How can the BBC, who, which reports this, is actually not seeing this? So that's what I find very, very baffling. How is it that you don't see the trap that you're falling in? And I have some explanations, but first I want to hear your first, uh, your first comments on the police involvement, on continuing a quote hate incidents, and the proof of concept thing. And of course, for people to understand it, if they haven't understood it already, they would say, look, police is telling you that it's okay. It's not okay to be white. So this is the resentment that say that the people who would put these posters would want to create, that they want to tell people, look, everywhere around you see that it's celebrated to be anything but white. And not only it's not okay to be white, the police will investigate if you claim that it's okay to be white. So well done to the police and those who made it a big issue. You managed to be the publicity campaigners for whoever put up these posters. Yeah, so I just end up, uh, when I see a news story like this, I just end up disliking everybody involved. You know, obviously it's ridiculous. The police are investigating a sign that says it's okay to be blank, some, an immutable characteristic. But at the same time, I mean, the people posting signs like this and the people trying to like rile up uh, the establishment, like what are they offering in its stead? Like what are they offering society? Like they're not putting up signs that say um, forget skin color altogether. I mean, maybe they would, somebody would say, well, that's what they're alluding to ultimately. But is that what we're seeing? Is that what we've seen? Uh, is that the trend we've seen um, ever since this happened in America a few years ago? Have we seen the, re the reaction, the response to political correctness be individualism? Or has it, if anything, gotten more nativist uh, and trying to galvanize people around their shared heritage as Europeans or white people or Christians or, or something that is not individualism, that is not the Enlightenment principle? So, I mean, I think um, gloating about a story like this is very dated. It's very much not that funny and arguably never really was that funny. It was always kind of, I don't use this word uh, often or lightly. It's, it's kind of nihilistic to just get, uh, get a rise out of people um, and the police are involved in stuff without having like a clear vision of what it is that you want to get out of the world. I mean, just like uh, with people storming the US Capitol, like, and people find it funny. Like to me, it, there's just nothing funny about um, vandalizing around such uh, sacred objects and stuff like that, no matter what they're, no, no matter what it is uh, that they're that they're acting out about. Um, have you watched? Are you familiar with Curb Your Enthusiasm? 
I've heard about it, but I haven't watched it. It is remarkably funny. And this guy, Larry David, he's like this uncancelable person. He, he's the co-creator of Seinfeld. George in Seinfeld, I think, is based on Larry. So Larry is that guy, but, but very much more creative than George in Seinfeld. Uh, Seinfeld, obviously, he's, a, he's artistic. He's funny. And he's just uncancelable. So even though he's always in a left-leaning Democrat, he's a Bernie supporter and, or that, whatever, Obama supporter, he's uncancelable. Like, he doesn't just go with what he's told um, by, the, you know, by the politically correct left. And his, the new season of his show just began a couple weeks ago. And in the show, he, him playing himself, he's pitching a show to uh, Netflix and, like, the, the board of people that he's working with. There's, like, the president or like the guy in charge who happens to be a white guy. And then there's like a panel. There's like a black woman in a wheelchair. There's like, a, you know, an Asian gay guy. And there's a, an Indian lesbian. Like just like there's just like there's like one of each. So Larry David, he's like subtly kind of jabbing about this sort of quota that you need to have now uh, in the corporate world. And in, in, in many other instances in the new season, he's sort of poking fun at that fact. But he's. So he's like fighting the left, quote unquote. He's pushing back against political correctness, not by arguing with them, not by trying to get a rise out of people um, senselessly, but he's just simply by not abiding by their rules, by simply creating the show that he wants to create and doing what he wants to do. Is That is his way of um, sort of defanging this beast that is p- the politically correct left. And that that is the proper way to... Uh, to respond to these rules. Just don't abide by them. Do what you want to do. Um, so there's my thoughts. So the, that makes sense. But the people who put these posters don't want to escape this world. And this is the thing with identity politics. Identity politics in a way is the Frankenstein that every time you know that's going to create a new monster. So I've said it many times. I'm going to say it again. The new white nationalism, or if you want to call it the alt-right, however you want to call it. It's not your old KKK reborn. It's completely a sign of its times. And it's a sign of its times, it means two things. The first is that it's placed mostly on the level of the culture wars and on the level of the spectacle. There was this book, The Society of the Spectacle, that very much influenced left-wing activism from the 60s, which was the idea that you create something which is, which is shocking. And they st- so it's, it's interesting that they started by storming Notre Dame on Easter and saying God is dead, a, a countercultural group. So this was kind of shocking. Of course, as decades passed, what is shocking is not anymore shocking. But this idea was we go away from politics in terms of I want to change the world, and now it's I want to shock the consciousness of the powers to be. And this is also what the let's say the far right is doing the pepe the frog memes the holocaust jokes the ss uniform on the pep jokes the point is not we are dreaming of a right the point is what are the things that are going to shock the system that's what we want to do so in a way you could say it's effective because it makes noise but it's very shallow so in a way it's the death of politics it's not the return of politics that's the one thing and the second thing or as Milo Yiannopoulos called it, he called it, we are perform- it's performative racism. Performative racism is exactly this, that it's a spectacle. I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm just trying to, I'm, I'm doing something to shock the system. That's the one thing. 
And the second thing is why it's a, it's a product of its time, the victimhood narrative. This campaign, that it's okay to be white, exactly wants to show, look, we are the persecuted group. We are the persecuted minority. And the thing is, it's very easy to succeed because it's, think about it this way. You're a university student. This is a, these days, it's the Black History Month. And every week I get three, four, I don't know how many emails which says we're celebrating Black History Month, uh, funding for research that has to do with racial justice. The vice chancellor is emailing us to remind us about Black History Month all the time. Celebrate people from a black ethnic minority backgrounds and all that stuff. And imagine the student who sees this and then sees in the news that someone who put an it's okay to be white poster, it's a hate incident. This student is immediately going to think, or this young person, that, oh, so it's not okay to be white, you're telling us. So that's why I'm saying I really wonder how the police and the, let's say the guardians, so to speak, of allowable opinion and the guardians of the current narrative do not see the trap they're falling in. It's ambi- I mean, it's so simple to see it that it's, it, it makes me wonder. And the result that the only explanation that I can find is that we live in a culture that it's so much more important to show your credentials in terms of yeah, I'm with the current regime, so to speak. I do speak the proper language. I do. I am on the right side. That doing this is more important than either doing your job right or actually wanting to defeat the bad ideas. And the example that I always bring in mind is, and the example that I always bring up is the Jordan Peterson interview with Kathy Newman, where Kathy Newman doesn't care if she's going to be obviously unprofessional and obviously bad journalism. In my view, this interview, we're going to remember it for the ages as bad journalists. But for here, it's more important to show that, look, these are my credentials. I'm on the right side. I'm one of you. And the same thing I see in the story, that this urge to say these are bad guys and we're on the right side and the incidents and we're going to give our, uh, uh, our uh, resources to find what happened. It's more important than actually realizing, wait a minute, by doing this, we're doing exactly what this campaign is expecting us to do. Yeah, and your internet uh, is a little bit glitchy from my end. I hope uh, it's not interrupting the stream, but uh, I think we caught most of what you're saying. Now I think you're frozen. So uh, Nikos, if you hear me, okay, now you're moving a little bit. Anyway, uh, I'll just speak for a little bit and we'll see, uh, we'll see what happens. You know, as far as like the whole performative racism that Milo talked about, I mean, you know, obviously I'm not a I'm not opposed to shocking humor. Um, I'm very, very uh, skeptical about like art whose main purpose is propaganda. I think that that's largely uh, poorly done. And it's I mean, yeah, I mean, it's it doesn't actually accomplish often what it sets out to do. So propaganda and art are not the same thing. Um, If you find, um, you know, outrageousness funny or interesting to to create and consume, uh, as I do, then, um, you know, that's one thing. But uh, this sort of what the alt-right were doing in 2016 was, is just creepy, I think. And they had one job, like, don't become the thing you're doing just to be shocking. Like, don't become that thing. And then, 
you know, 2017 there, you know, you've got people marching around with, um, with swastikas in Charlottesville. It's like you had one job, just don't actually become this thing that you were, you claimed you were only doing to shock. But, um, but that's, but uh, it's sort of a, I think it's indicative of the sort of response to the social justice left, which I was paying close attention to a lot. It was happening on a lot of it. Uh, a lot of personalities were emerging on YouTube and they, they were doing a lot of reactions to the social justice people. So you'd have like social justice people saying, you know, all white people are racist, all, um, you know, all straight people are homophobic, et cetera, et cetera. And the response to them would often be speaking the language of individualism, like kind of like, what are you talking about? Everybody's a person. So how can you judge everybody? Aren't you being racist? So just sort of like common sense, very uh, kind of uh, non-academic response, which, you know, might have given some people hope like, oh, look, individualism is going to be the response to this. But within a short amount of time, people that are, in fact, white supremacists, by their own admission, they infiltrated this movement of anti-social justice warriors, and they would challenge people's premises. They would use the language of altruism, and they would use um, the language of crisis. Like, we're in a crisis. The leftists are individualists. The leftists are the ones saying, you, the individual, can be any gender you want, and, and you know, the world is yours to create. So if, the, if individualism is what you want, take a look at the social justice left. But if you want to escape from that, I think we need to galvanize and realize that, yes, white people built to the world and, and white men have nothing to apologize for and should be proud. And I mean, we've seen it happen. And I know uh, our good friends, uh, you know, our, our boy in the chat, Scott, is going to tell me, no, you're playing into the leftist handbook. Um, but I'm not. I've seen it with my own eyes. I've seen what ha took place. People who at first were speaking the language of individualism within a short amount of time we're explicitly going with the white supremacists. And um, we've seen an increase of nativism on the right. And it, uh, we've seen an increase in the rejection, explicit rejection of individualism and of capitalism and of everything else and of reason as such. So um, is this the world um, that we want? And uh, should I read some super chats or do you have a response? Okay. Yeah, read some super chats and I'll say one last thing at the end. Okay, Roland with 499 says, why that's a racist question. I guess it is. Is it okay to be white? That's a racist question, I guess. Robert with $2 says the reactionary the reactionaries are as usual marionettes. Not quite sure what a marionette even is, but marionette is this thing that you hold a puppet, you'd call it in English. Mm -hmm. Yeah. But, but okay. also notice the reactionaries are a puppet, but mm -hmm. also the powers to be are becoming the puppets of the reactionaries because they're playing exactly they're dancing to the tunes of the reactionaries. Right, right, yes, all right, exactly. I know, it's like you think, oh, we're triggering everyone. We're, we're, uh, we're controlling them by making them get angry at what we're saying. Well, actually, they're actually setting the terms. The leftists are now controlling what you do. It's, it's a reciprocal uh, game that the reactionaries and the, um, and the social justice people are doing. And now Scott is saying that's anecdotal. Okay, then maybe all, all the social justice lunacy you've seen is anecdotal then. If me pointing to a movement that has grown and gained prominence in the last several years on the right, if me pointing at that and saying there's something to be concerned about, if that's just anecdotal, then maybe all the whole social justice movement and the whole the transformation we've seen in the culture, maybe that's just anecdotal, right? Okay, Roland with 499 says, whoa, I was joking, but they do actually think it's racist. All right, Mary Aline <laughs> with $2 says me. 
Thank you. Uh, Phil with $2 says, didn't your latest book discuss this, Nikos? Oh, 100%. I don't remember if I include the it's okay to be white thing, but uh, yeah, everything everything is one way or another, everything is there. Yeah, so uh, these are tough times. Okay, back, you had another thought you said you wanted to uh, you share. Yeah, the right? last point is this. Try to think, where, do, where would the alt-right be if it weren't for the mainstream narrative freaking out with the alt-right so much. So I don't think there ever has been a movement which is so small. And how do we know the movement is small? I mean, that's not a very scientific way to count it, but when he was like the infamous leader of the alt-right, the number of Twitter followers for Richard Spencer was very, very, very small for someone who you would think is like a threat to the, to the established order. Or even in Charlottesville, which was the biggest gathering, not only of the alt-right, but everything related to it. I mean, it was a freak show, but it was not a big gathering. Compared to back in the day, I mean, the, the, let's say in the 30s when the Ku Klux Klan or other such groups are gathering. So you have a movement which is small, but because it knows how to play the system so well, the, and the system are, again, the useful idiots who do exactly what they expect. So now you might think that in Basingstone, there's like this white national himself, and it literally might be one guy. I remember when I was 16, I would put uh, homemade posters that I would literally print on my printer with the sickle and hammer and saying things, revolution now and all that stuff. And I would go with like sunglasses and hat and put them around in the bins in the, in the neighborhoods. And someone would see, say, oh, there's a revolutionary cell. No, it's just like a 16-year-old loser who is putting posters around. So that's so imagine where would the alt-right be or whatever is now the alt-right if it weren't for a system for, and I'm using the term system loosely, that is so eager not to think and just play the, ex the expected to read the expected lines. Oh, it's horrible. It's a threat with horrible people. And again, giving them prominency where otherwise they would have very, very little. So again, congratulations. You are the useful idiots of the far right. Yes, but also if you look uh, closer at who was at Charlottesville, these are many of them prominent people on the internet with a large following. They have been able to successfully infiltrate the anti-social justice um anti-social justice uh, reactionaries. I, maybe you didn't see it. Maybe you weren't paying attention to it. I knew some of these people personally, and I was watching them. A lot of them were at VidCon, the uh, big conference, the YouTuber conference in 2017. Um, and their premises were, were used against them. I mean, this is a fact. Uh, Scott is saying, what about CRT? Is that anecdotal? No, my I was being sarcastic. I was responding to you, Scott, saying that it's anecdotal that, you know, what I've seen is anecdotal. Well, then maybe everything we observe in the culture is anecdotal. It's not. It's not anecdotal. CRT is a force to be reckoned with. And what we've seen taking place on the right, the fact that 10 years ago, Republicans spoke the language of capitalism and, and um, even got close to talking about individualism, as pathetic as it was uh, by my standards, it still was, uh, you know, light years more respectable than what they've become to today. You've got Tucker Carlson, an explicit enemy of Ayn Rand by his own uh, in his own words. Uh, we've got our guy debating Yoram Khatsoni next month about conservatism versus individualism. 
you got to actually open your eyes and see what's happening in the culture. That's all I'm saying. Um, but uh, hey, I mean, that's just my opinion. And uh, we're happy to hear your opinion. All right. Okay, so that's all I had to say on the topic. So do you want to tell us what is upcoming? And then we can see if there are any comments on Clubhouse. Um, did you ask me if I had any, if there's any other uh, super chats or something? No, no. Uh, Dylan oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. The, the updates, the notes. Okay, hold on. But Scott is saying, this is, I got to talk to Scott. Hold on. He says, where's the right wing boogeyman? I don't know. How about the fact that Republicans today are explicitly anti-capitalist? Republicans are running on the platform of breaking up big tech, so to speak. Um, they're explicitly nationalistic. You basically, you don't even see Republicans speaking the way they used to. So we've got two anti-individualistic parties now, uh, but it's all still just a boogeyman. I mean, at what, 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 here's an exercise. What, what would Republicans need to do? What would, Repub- what would it look like? What would Republicans do in order for you to stop seeing them as allies of capitalism and individualism okay time for announcements coming up at 10 p.m uk time it's method and madness with our friends uh ibis and a guy whose name is not cutaway it's larry and they will be talking to <laughs> dr ankar gate and the topic is was greta right Sounds like a slam dunk that any of us could answer. Like, sounds like a yes or no question. But believe me, believe me, when you get uh, someone like Dr. Gatte on the show, you can expect a very, very rich and thoughtful discussion. Uh, By the way, Scott, chat. don't leave. I have something for you at the end based on what uh, Raka just said. But Raka, continue. Uh, Phil with five pounds says there's an English YouTube channel called History Debunked. Have a look sometime and you'll see the connection. The connection to what? Do you know, do you know what he... I anyway. think I've come across, if it's the channel, I think it is. But uh, yeah, tell us a bit more because I'm not entirely sure what it's, uh, what it's referring to. All right. Thank you, Phil. I will check it out. Uh, and that's the power of your, you sending us money. <laughs> Thank you okay, all. Okay, no, turns out I haven't. Uh, I don't think I've, I've seen it, but maybe. Okay, so what I wanted to say based on what Ragatza said. So The Economist today has an article which the title is The fight over the size of government is really over. Ex-journalist reports from a gathering of American conservatives where shrinking the state is no longer on the agenda. So it's kind of becoming common knowledge that this ship has sailed for the for conservatives today. And again, this is uh, this is sad. And uh, yeah, turns out, my friends, I, I've told you, I'm taking the L when it comes to the American right, because I've been wrong about my prediction that because of this kind of countercultural ethos, they might turn to an actual radical force against what is wrong with the system. Instead, they became the other side of the cone. So what can we do? Well, um, I've seen you talk about this. You did an AMA where you said the turning The turning point, like the thing that changed your mind was seeing them, their, their, their approach to the vaccine. That was one of the things. Um, And not the 6th of January. It was the vaccine issue. That yeah, I know. I know it wasn't the 6th of January, but uh, I, you know, I'm impressed by your intellectual honesty. And uh, like I've said to you, you in the past, I'm, I'm fully confident 
in your uh, ability to figure these things out. I don't need to convince you. And that should be all of our approaches to the world. We don't need to be eager to convince people. That's how that's how uh, hyper-intellectual, deductive rationalists are. They, they, they feel like they don't have a grip on reality. They need to just get out there and convince everybody. No, you should be confident and cool, kind of like I've been with Nikos. And we know smart people will figure it out. <laughs> reality think, is the arbiter. Reality is the arbiter. But I think the final, the final stage of the game will be not only to change your mind, but to actually look back and sort of cancel yourself a little bit. Um, and to realize uh, it was it's worse than you even realize. But anyway, anyway, nonetheless, thank you all for joining us today. Scott says, cash me on Clubhouse winky face. I think we're actually canceling Clubhouse today. Isn't that right? We're no time for Clubhouse. I'm kidding. We're, we'll be on Clubhouse. See you all there. And um, yeah. And, and Raz, if you're seeing this, someone opened the Clubhouse because last time I did this, uh, I couldn't close the room so i'm not opening a clubhouse room again last time yeah we'll, we'll see you there anyway Raka, yeah, and, you know how to do it right i think i do we'll figure that out um anyway thank you all for joining us is it okay to be white no it's not they can't dance they're not cool get a sense of humor jesus everybody's now now they're they're all triggered out now everybody in the culture is triggered by everything everybody just get a sense of humor all right, I'll stop the show now because I'm literally saying nothing. Thank you all and goodbye.